Friends, welcome to this episode of Leadosophy. You are here with an open mind because that is the rule and not the exception. Today, we're going to talk about leading in a high risk, high reward environment. I'm going to talk about some reflections I have currently looking back on my time in the search and rescue world of the Coast Guard. There's some things I've learned kind of post, post timeout, post retirement. And maybe it'll help you. Maybe it won't. Maybe there's some parallels you can take away to your current world of work. I hope so. I'm grateful whether you're listening or watching. Ladies and gentlemen, here we go. Are you ready to permanently fuse leadership and philosophy? Then a word of caution. You are about to enter the fully abstract yet wholly concrete realm of leadosophy. Our ideas are not always so clear and distinct. To validate this proposition, we welcome the host of leadosophy, Tim Wood. Okay, we're off and running here on leadosophy. Again, thanks for joining us. So, little five points of reflection for me today. Five points of reflection. I'm trying to keep this fairly simple, I'll try to distill my thoughts into five points from the world of search and rescue, which I call high risk, high reward environment, leading in a high risk, high reward environment brought its challenges. But there were some things that I think were that made it easy to lead in that world, especially being in the military, being in the Coast Guard. And I've mentioned this on, I think I've mentioned this on a, a previous ep- episode about finding the existential purpose or reconnecting with the existential purpose of an organization. Leading in the Coast Guard world, which I was doing, it was fairly easy for me to reestablish purpose because that purpose was already established for me. Sometimes I just had to redirect focus back toward that purpose. So I didn't have, it wasn't like a organization or a business that I created on my own and I had to try to figure out what my purpose was. It was handed to me when I assumed command. I liked that. It was kind of, you know, the, the, the dinner was already made. I just had to eat it. And that's probably a terrible analogy. And you may be thinking that doesn't even make sense. That's okay. So a question for listeners today, or whenever you're listening to this and viewers, what I talk about is going to be very, very part and partial to the world of search and rescue and the military. But I want you to look for any parallels in your world of work. Parallels applied to accomplishing what your organization is designed to achieve or what needs your organization was created to fulfill. I think that's important as, as you're hearing about my experiences and my thoughts on leading in a high-risk, high-reward environment. What are the takeaways you have for application in your environment? Maybe there are very few. Maybe there's a bunch. Leadosophy is hopeful that there'll be quite a few. All right, point number one, reflect reflections, Tim Reflections. Point number one of five is, again, coming back to this idea of establishing and understanding the purpose, right? Making sure your purpose is crystal clear, why you exist and what problems you are required to solve as a team, as an organization. Here, I'm really really talking about an organization. When I was in the Coast Guard, my search and rescue unit, what were the problems that we had to solve on a daily basis? What services did did we have to provide? And how did that fit into the larger purpose of the organization, United States Coast Guard? Now, the the search and rescue world was very, again, as far as establishing purpose, it was very simple. And you try to keep your purpose as simple as possible. I think that's important. 
you know, one example we had in the search and rescue world was our purpose was to save lives. Very simple. Very simple in theory. The purpose is simple. It's it's not some elaborate purpose. It's it's simple. We're saving lives. That's what we do. That's what we're designed to do. That's what we were created for, to save lives. So that leads to crafting a strategy that makes us as efficient as possible at saving lives. And again, saving lives is a problem to solve, right? The problem is how does a Coast Guard boat crew, a crew of four, five, or six, and in, in my experience, in the, in the nature of, of the organizations that I was, or the units that I was a part of, a crew, boat crew of five or six, how do they get from point A to point B as efficiently, as safely as possible? And by efficient, we mean, and again, we're elaborating on this purpose, right? But by efficient, moving from point A to point B efficiently, we're, we're talking about preserving life and property, but realizing many factors are working against you. And by safely, we're talking about protecting Coast Guard boat crews from unnecessary risk, right? Again, time is never an ally in search and rescue missions. And that's probably the case, whether that's on the water or maybe urban search and rescue as well. Time is usually not an ally. I can't, at least I can't recall a time where time served as kind of like a tailwind. It kind of helped us out or the elongation of time. So there you go. So number one, point number one, establish, understand your purpose, right? Point number two is directing energy towards that purpose. Once your purpose is clearly established... Or maybe you had to refill, like I talked about, maybe you have to refocus everyone back on the purpose that is provided for us. We have to channel that energy towards the fundamental or existential purpose. In this case, like in the search rescue world, saving lives, channeling that energy towards how to making how to make us better life savers. So for each task, for each process, even each system in your unit, in your organization, you must ask yourself. Does this task or process or system move us closer to realizing our existential purpose, to making us better problem solvers? And this may not be the case 100% of the time, but it's, but should it not be? Shouldn't it be the case that every task you do, 100% of your tasks, of your processes, should be devoted in some way, form, or shape to the over, overall purpose of the organization of your unit, of your team, what have you. And here's a, here's a side note. Time is finite in the, work, in the workspace. So why waste it? Attention spans are limited. Humans are goal-oriented. We want to move towards something purposeful, something meaningful. This is my assumption. This is my assumption as a leader. There's little downside to this assumption, in my opinion, because this assumption frames how I try to treat people. Let's go back to the purpose, what I was talking about. So questioning the purpose of tasks and processes, how valuable they are, how much they drive us towards our overall purpose, questioning the purpose is largely about technical competence or becoming competent problem solvers, competent in delivering goods or delivering a basic service or even a highly specialized and technical service. Are our customers benefiting from a highly skilled workforce or are our customers suffering from our lack of preparation, our lack of focus, or our willingness to waste precious energy on things that move us 
farther away from competence or even detract or distract or deter us from our purpose, right? So this energy, it's just where are we channeling our energy? Do we have wasted energy? These are questions leaders should consistently ask. Ask anybody, any area of the organization and and seek honest feedback. You have to want to be willing to hear uncomfortable feedback. You want to you hear about wasteful processes, wasteful energy. That's going to improve the organization in the long run, I would hope. So point number three, in matters of safety in a high-risk, high-reward environment, there is little room for complacency. That's my third takeaway. And I say little room because humans are fallible, right? Inattention, boredom, these things are inevitable in any organization, in any world of work. You're going to have it. It's unavoidable. But in my view, it is paramount. It is a paramount function of the leader to remain constantly on guard for symptoms of inattention, of boredom, and of general overall complacency. This goes hand in hand with point number two in wasted energy. If the workforce sees little to no benefit of a task or process, there's a high chance of mental checkout or just not giving a darn or not focusing on the larger objective or the big picture. Because the little pictures make no sense. If the little pictures are making no sense, how can you expect everyone to have the big picture? Again, another metaphor, maybe terrible, but there it is. So the debate rages about whether or not explaining why something is done serves a purpose. Should you explain the why behind why someone's doing something? So Lidosfi again believes that erring on the side of providing that explanation when possible, it's not always feasible, but providing an explanation when possible is the best course of action. Lidosophy thinks there's little little downside to that when you have time to explain the why, the purpose behind doing a task or a process. And there's another assumption at play here. You know, I love assumptions. Assumptions are the root of why we think like we think. It's important to tease out our assumptions, especially maybe examining where there might be some fault in our assumptions and letting other people hear our assumptions. I say my assumptions out loud so you can hear them. You may look at my assumptions or hear my assumptions and be like, I don't agree with that. That assumption is faulty. That causes you to strengthen or fortify your own assumptions about leadership, about human behavior, about what's best for leadership. That's all good. If you're questioning my assumptions, that's good. I like that. That's the point of leadosophy. That's the spirit of leadosophy. So back to my assumption that's at play here, all things being equal, providing the why behind a task or process helps with workforce engagement rather than disengages the workforce. More often than not, that's again, that's my assumption. We must remember to connect task to purpose. Connect task to enhancing our abilities to solve problems more efficiently and more safely. And again, I'm thinking search and rescue specifically here. I think about technical rescue in the maritime environment. How do we make those processes more safe and more efficient? Tasks and processes might be tightly coupled to purpose or loosely coupled, but nevertheless, they should be coupled somehow, some way. They may be one step removed removed from the overall process or multiple steps removed from the overall process, but at some point they get to the overall purpose of the mission of the organization's purpose. What, are you, what problem are you trying to solve? 
Are we good problem solvers? Are the tasks that we do in day in and day out, do they make us better problem solvers? And how do we do that? All right, point number four. It's one of my favorite. It goes back to the fertile soil analogy that I talk about all the time. I constantly hammer this point because I think it's so important. Remove barriers. Remove barriers to the workforce, for the workforce. A fundamental purpose of leadership is barrier removal. What is preventing the workforce from achieving mastery of craft, from becoming great problem solvers? What is preventing or stifling an individual from realizing his or her unique potential? What is preventing or stifling creativity, dialogue and communication, or team cohesion? What is causing delays in service delivery? In the search and rescue world, what is causing inefficiency in response times? What is making our mission more difficult? What is making our mission more unsafe? And maybe there's some human performance things going on in here that are a barrier. Maybe it's a a specific person who is becoming a barrier to team cohesion. It's affecting the overall performance of the team. Ask yourself why. Why is that happening? Try to get to the root causes of that human performance problem that you perceive. And again, you may be perceiving a human performance problem, but there might be something else at play. Might be something else at play. So that's point number four, barrier removal. My final point is this. Without realizing the value of human capital, the existential purpose is worthless. The problems do not get solved adequately. And this, again, is some fundamental assumptions about me and and how I lead and how I try to view people. For me, recognizing the value of human capital means that I understand that each person has a unique view of the organization's purpose. What's this mean? This means that everyone has a unique view of how they see their role and their contribution. Each person has a unique view of their value of their worth. Each person will vary in how much effort they're willing to devote to the organization's purpose and how much energy they're willing to devote to their own craft. Some individuals want to be masters of their craft. Some individuals want to collect a paycheck and go home. Some individuals will not enjoy what they do. Some individuals, quite frankly, will fail. Not everyone shares your passion for the organization's purpose. And my best guess, this is the reality of any workplace. And this reality is not supernatural. This reality means that it is far too difficult to cater to every single person's desires. It's far too difficult. It's, even, it's, it's also far too difficult to cater to everyone's whims, changes in attitudes, their lack of satisfaction, their disdain for a particular decision that affected the organization. You'll go mad trying to corral or address every single thing that that falls in this in this constellation of things that go on in the workplace what this does mean though is that even more it's even more vital to continually channel energy towards the existential and unified purpose the unified purpose is something everyone can rally behind it's the reason why someone was drawn to the organization so the final assumption is this the more that individuals understand the nature of their organization's purpose, and again, this includes the benefits that each person brings to the problem-solving table, how they fit into the larger picture, the more each person will take personal responsibility for some of their happiness at work 
and as well as their performance at work. Again, that's the, the final assumption from Leadosophy. That's all I have for today, ladies and gentlemen. Remember, Leadosophy is about using the tools of philosophical thought to deepen our understanding of leadership and of life. Thanks for watching, and we'll see you next time. Thanks for watching and listening to another episode of Leadosophy. If you liked what you heard today, hit that subscribe button and check out leadosophy.com and learn more about Tim's ideas on philosophy and leadership. We'll see you next time.